This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. And now your host. He believes with a little creativity, there is always an answer. He's my dad, Brandon Burton. Welcome, Chamber Champions. Thank you for tuning in to Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it is my goal to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. Our title sponsor is Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions. Let's hear from Matt Morrow, President and CEO of the Springfield Area Chamber in Missouri, to learn how the Holman Brothers provided value to his chamber. Holman Brothers provide a great training for our sales team in terms of just outstanding sales techniques, but maybe even more importantly than that, they were able to provide us with a system, a process that was repeatable. And in that, we're able to see very clearly from one month to the next how the how the pipeline is doing, what prospects are in it, what kind of progress we're making, and what we can do to coach people to success. You can learn more about Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions by visiting holmanbros.com. Successful membership salespeople are problem solvers. They ask better questions, uncover more problems, and pinpoint how their chamber can help. It's how they consistently drive better membership sales outcomes. Here's the hurdle. Most membership salespeople don't get enough coaching to recruit like this. Holman Brothers Next Level Coaching supplies the year-round guidance that your membership rep needs to drive growth for your chamber. Visit holmanbros.com slash next level to learn more and request a free trial of next level coaching. Our guest for this episode is Ralph Staffens. Ralph is the president and CEO of the Brunswick Golden Isles Chamber in Georgia. But before that, in 2018, under his leadership, the Covington-Newton County Chamber of Commerce was awarded the four-star accreditation by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. And prior to serving Covington, Ralph served as the executive director for Forward McDuffie in Thompson, Georgia, as the economic development director. Ralph was named president and CEO of the Brunswick Golden Isles Chamber in June of 2019, and he currently serves on the Coastal Pines Technology College Board, Georgia Economic Developers Association Board of Directors. He has twice served as chair of the Georgia Association of Chamber of Commerce Executives, and serves on the Board of Governors for the Georgia Chamber. During his time in the Golden Isles, Ralph proudly led the Brunswick Golden Isles Chamber to earning its five-star accreditation with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. In 2021, Ralph was recognized by Georgia Trend Magazine as one of the top 40 under 40 in the state of Georgia. Ralph graduated from the Georgia College and State University in 2006 with a bachelor's degree in political science and earned a master's degree in public administration in 2008. Ralph is designated by the International Economic Development Council as a certified economic development professional, and he makes a a great impact in any community which he serves. He's married to his lovely wife, Rachel, and has four beautiful children. Ralph, I'm excited to have you with me today here on Chamber Chat Podcast. If you will, take a moment to say hello to all the Chamber Champions and Share something interesting about yourself so we can get to know you a little better. Yeah, Brandon, thanks for having me today. I'm excited to, to, to be here with other chamber professionals listening, as I always like to learn from others as well. 
Um, I, I guess the most interesting thing about me as far as a chamber professional goes is I've had the opportunity to live all over the great state of Georgia and have never done anything other than economic development in my career. Um, as a young professional, I'm, I'm still learning balancing work and, and life. And, and uh, you said I had four kids, and, and that certainly keeps me busy on top of um, leading such a great organization down here at the beach in Georgia. That's right. I've got four kids myself and it keeps you running all different directions. You know, every, every day after work, it's, you know, who's got basketball or volleyball or, you know, all these different activities. Um, well, take a moment to tell us a little bit about the Brunswick Isle Chamber, just to kind of give us some perspective before we get into our conversation, maybe the you know size, budget, staff, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, we represent um, Brunswick and the Golden Isles and, and many other communities uh, in, on the coast. So our community is the economic hub in southeast Georgia. Uh, and so we have a lot of members outside of our immediate community. But it, it, the Brunswick Golden Isles Chamber was actually uh, a result of a merger between the uh, St. Simons Island Chamber and the Brunswick Chamber uh, about 20 years ago. And so we represent roughly about 1,200 members. We have a budget of almost a uh, million dollars a year, and we have six employees as well. All right. Well, that definitely helps to kind of set the stage for you know, resources that you're coming from. And, and I think that's important. So as other chambers listening, either bigger or smaller, can see, kind of take a, a pulse as to what you're able to do with, with the chamber your size and kind of adapt it to their chamber and, and where they're at at the time. So our topic for our discussion today, we're, we've titled this Breaking Down Barriers, and um, it, it, it's really much more than that. And I'm excited to, to hear, Ralph, from, from you as to the, the perspective and background uh, there at the Golden Isles, the Brunswick Golden Isles Chamber, as to how you guys are being more intentional um around this topic and we'll we'll get into this discussion as soon as we get back from this quick break are you looking for a year-round affordable and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or cvb look no further build a custom eat shop play mobile app with app my community by visiting appmycommunity.com chamber chat App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar. Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Oftentimes, Chamber Nation's customers agree that since Amazon is all centralized, then why not their own community, including their professional service providers? Since Chamber Nation includes a full-service membership services department to handle all of your new member onboarding and ongoing support at no extra cost to the members, this is now possible. Once the program is all set up, each member going forward will receive monthly membership ROI reports. 
the entire community will also have access to community-wide economic development reports that are terrific for supporting grant opportunities, too. With Chamber Nation, not only will you have a membership management system, but also a membership development system, all in one terrific package. So, save money and be impressed by visiting richardscalendar.com to set up a demo with their CEO, or learn more at chambernation.com. All right, Ralph, we are back. As I mentioned before the break, uh, you guys there at the, the Brunswick Gold Niles Chamber are being very intentional with how you're going about, um, you know, some, some things that have been kind of contentious and, you know, a lot of tension throughout the country, um, especially as it comes to, to race relations. But if you would tell us a little bit of the, the background in your community, why this um, is a topic that we're, we're talking about today and how you guys have addressed it. Absolutely. Well, and I'm sure the listeners know uh, that they would probably be living under a rock if they didn't know about the Ahmaud Aubrey um, murder in our community. Um, as COVID was going on uh, all across the country, our country faced um, riots and, and, and uh, issues from Portland all the way to Atlanta. And we actually had a um, incident in our community where a young man was shot uh, in one of our neighborhoods, young young African American gentleman, and so it it was just like the perfect storm with George Floyd and all these other things going on. Um, and, and I tell people sometimes, you know, we were fortunate um, that COVID was happening because it slowed the news down and, and slowed everything down a little bit for our community to be able to to catch up. But I am so proud of our community. Uh, Brandon, last week, actually, the um, hate crimes trial wrapped up. And so we are um, completely through the judicial process um, of this tragic incident that happened in our community. And so we're thankful for that. But we're very proud that we came through this entire process peaceful. We didn't have uh, rioting or looting. Uh, but, but that was because our community came together. And, and I'll tell you, uh, it was the business community, the chamber business leaders and the African-American faith leaders who have such strong existing relationships as to why that was able to take place in our community. The, they always say silence is deafening, right? You've heard that saying. The silence of our local elected leadership, it was deafening. And there, there was no reaction whatsoever. And so we came together as a business community and a um, faith community and started meeting and having conversations. And while we as business leaders and, and the faith side of the house, too, we couldn't guarantee an outcome. But we knew something was going wrong with this process. And we did come together and promise our community that we would ensure that it was done above board and, and that's really all they would they could ask for and so we welcomed people to our community to protest and to be heard uh we asked them to do it peacefully and when you had uh brothers and sisters locking arms uh because of the relationships we already had it allowed us to keep it um peaceful in our community yeah and i think you know, communities across the country and, and, and I imagine in some other countries as well, um, they've all been much more you know, hyper aware even of these challenges in communities with, with race in regards to race relations. 
And I think everybody's trying to, to be more intentional with how they go about, you know, being inclusive and, um, you know, whether it's, you know, just with general membership or um, board selection, things like that. Um, I think there's definitely a balance of being inclusive and also making sure that, you know, people are not being put in positions or businesses aren't being highlighted strictly because of the race background. You know, there's so much more. You want to highlight what the good things are they're doing. And it's not just because it's you know an African-American based business or, or anything like that. Um, how have you guys gone about intentionally being aware, um, but drawing the, the proper attention in your community? Absolutely, Brandon. I tell people all the time, this was a tragic incident that happened in our community. There's no way of getting around that, but it has changed our community, including our chamber, uh, moving forward, right? The, the tragedy would be to have something like this happen and just go back to the way you're doing yeah. this. And so I told you, it, this all kind of transpired and unraveled uh, during the height of uh, the COVID pandemic and lockdowns. And our community, unlike most in the country, was very fortunate. Our, our, our economy had a hard hit because we're a tourism-based economy, yeah. but we had a immediate rebound um, from that little dip. And so our community was wide open. Uh, there was no doubt about that, but but people were still being cautious. Our, our workforce wasn't 100% back, even though we had record numbers of tourists in our community. And, and you couldn't go into certain businesses because of the, the restrictions and the coronavirus. And so what we did is we decided we were going to start a new part of our organization. We started a 501c3 foundation. And that foundation um, focuses on three main things. It's leadership development, workforce development, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I say it all the time, leadership development and workforce development go hand in hand. And the DEI comes in to support those, right? We want to make sure our programs, as we are developing the leaders of tomorrow and the future workforce of our community, looks like our community. We want to make sure people of black and brown skin have the same opportunities to advance their careers and become part of our workforce as anybody else. And so that's that's kind of what we did as a reaction to it. And I can give you an example. A lot of chambers, I would venture to say most chambers have leadership programs, leadership, whatever your county is. Right. Yeah. And our leadership program historically um, did not have much diversity in it. And so through our foundation, we set a realistic goal of having 33% of our leadership class, which um, is almost the makeup of our community too, right? As far as diversity goes. And we even took that one step further. We said, doesn't matter if you're white, African-American, Hispanic, it didn't matter. We do not want cost to be a barrier to you being able to better yourself in workforce and leadership development. So we raised scholarships and our leadership program costs $1,200 a year to go through. And a lot of small business employers can't afford that kind of investment. And so we wanted to make sure that cost couldn't be a barrier. So we, I literally made two phone calls and had the 10 scholarships I needed. Um, this community rallied around not only redefining our leadership program, but ensuring that um, there was access to that program. And we went from having we, we take 30 people a year into the program and we went from having 32 applications, maybe to having 52 applications this year in the second year going through this this process. 
So how did you go about communicating that as far as, you know, trying to attract the diversity to the leadership group as well as the scholarship opportunities? Absolutely. Well, we invited folks to the table. Okay. So I, I need to say this, because I understand these kind of conversations are uncomfortable, right? Nobody likes to have these conversations. It doesn't matter um, your ethnicity or socioeconomic class. It, it, they're not comfortable conversations, yeah. but we sure that we invited all of our minority businesses to the table and we had conversations. We invited that African-American faith community I talked about earlier to yeah. the table and we identified 75 young leaders in, in, in those communities and we just invited them to apply. And what kind of feedback of the uh, so 75 young leaders you identified, you said total was about over 50 applications, but obviously they weren't all, you know, from the, that's right. Those that you identified, did you get other um, feedback? I, I guess the, the purpose of what I'm asking is as far as, um, you know, a starting point for building relationships, um, even if they didn't apply, did you get positive feedback from those that you'd reached out to and invited and identified? We absolutely, we absolutely did. And and not everybody can make that kind of time commitment from their job to be away from their job to be a part of program. Right. So that that did cause the application number to be lower. But we have so many people out of that first 75 or so young people we identified as part of our, our chamber in different ways now. They didn't have yeah. to go to leadership. Glenn is what we leadership Glenn, Glenn County. Um, but now they're in committees. They're part of our young professionals. They're part of our ambassador program. Um, one of that 75 is already on our board, went through the leadership program and immediately showed so much potential. Um, and his employer um, encouraged us to add him to, to our board. So um, it, it's the last thing any community will want to do. And I think anybody listening would agree with me is to look over your shoulder and be worried about the next set of leaders coming up. Right. And, and we don't want that. So we're going to make sure our leadership program is state of the art. But more than that, we're going to make sure it looks like our community. So we're empowering leaders in every neighborhood and every type of business, whether it's small or big in, in our community. But there's, you know, the, the quotes out there of, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste and not to make light at all of, of uh, Ahmed Aubrey's death, but it definitely came in a time of crisis. It came at a time where, um, you know, you know, emotions were very sensitive, were raw. And to be able to not let his death go unnoticed and to have it mean something by being able to, to reach out and, and involve others. And like you said, having them more involved with the chamber now where they weren't before. And it's, it's it was a matter of bringing that to the focus, to the attention and being able to say, we want you to be more active in our community. Uh, at least that's how I see it is uh, kind of taking that approach of, we want to include you. We want, you know, people of, of every walk of life to be part of our community to make it great. Absolutely. It changed our chamber down to our DNA. And that's, that's just me being honest. We, we do things differently. We have conversations we weren't having before. And we are better as a business community and as a chamber because of it. 
And, and I just, many of your listeners might not know my area, but we're diverse in many different ways. It's, it's not just religion and race. Um, we socioeconomically, we have the richest zip code and one of the poorest zip codes in the state of Georgia, all here at the same place. We actually have uh, a four mile causeway that separates those two zip codes. And so that's why I told you we were a product of a merged chamber. There were two chambers for a reason, right? We, we had diversity to us is past color of skin or your religion. It's island and name. Yeah. Rich and poor. And so we, we want to make sure that we are doing the best we can in developing the workforce, A, for our employers, but B, we also want to help end generational poverty. That's something that we, at least in the South, face a lot is this, this generational poverty. And uh, we are certainly part of the task force that's helping to to erase that from our community. I love that. Um, and that you do have some obstacles a lot of other chambers don't have with the, the mainland and the island and the, you know, a real divide, you know, a geographical divide between the two, but, you know, working to bring them together as one. And I can imagine by you know, having this new um, group of leaders um, being brought up, it's going to bring a whole new perspective going forward at the chamber too. you know, insights and feedback that you wouldn't have received otherwise. So I, I see this as being a really long-term play of really, you know, seeing the, the growth and development of the chamber there. It, it really is. And, and truthfully, we also have a youth leadership class. And so we're also talking about high schools, right? We changed the way we did that program too. It's not exactly like our adult leadership class, but it's, it's diverse. And now you're having to apply for it. It's not just a counselor uh, telling us who we're going to get. Uh, we're getting private school kids and, and, and inner city kids, and, and we're putting them together because those relationships in the future are going to be important for them. For sure. So with the schools, how are you, how are you working with them to get that set up? Do you, are you working through the counselors, through administrators? How, do you, how are you initially setting up that relationship? Well, you know, you know, like all things, it always flows down from the top, right? Yeah. And so I would encourage anybody listening to this, your superintendent needs to be your best friend. That school board needs to know you just as well as the city or county commission does, right? It's, we are facing as a country a workforce crisis. That's the result of this pandemic. Let's be really honest. Sure. We're not in a depression. We're not in a recession. We are facing the, a workforce crisis like our country has never seen before. We are a microcosm of that here in the Golden Isles. We've got a 2.4% unemployment rate. In 1,800 open jobs that I can point people to right now. Those numbers just don't add up. No, not at all. And while we are increasing our population, being a tourism community, being a place where people like to come and retire, right? We're not attracting workforce age people as fast as we'd like to. And so we recognize that that 1,200 to 1,500 kids we graduate every year out of our K-12 program, that's our pipeline until we figure out how to attract new new young people to our community. And so we've got to make sure those kids are understanding what the workforce of the future is going to look like in our community specifically. And so we work really well um, with our school system for a lot of workforce type things. And, and we marry them with our technical college. And we actually have a four-year school here in our community as well. And so there's a seamless transition for our kids no matter what, 
whether they want to go to technical school or a four-year education. And we at the chamber and the business community, we just want to make sure that they're aware of all of their options and where the jobs are. And so we, we actually just got done with a new program we installed called our teacher externship. And so we sent a bunch of teachers from, I mean, even kindergarten, we even had kindergarten teachers, Brandon, going into industry to understand that it's not smokestacks and misindigious anymore. It's, it's high paying jobs and no debt out of the technical college for their, for their young people. And so it's, it's relationships. Everything, as you know, comes down to relationships. And so if I could give any word of advice to the listeners, it'd be to make that superintendent your best friend. Because it's whether it's a leadership, youth leadership class or workforce pipeline, he, it all comes down from him or her and, and their willingness to partner with the business community. Absolutely. And and I think just having discussions, too. I mean, just recently I had a discussion with my oldest child. He had just turned 16 and we talked about his future. It's like, OK, do you see yourself living in our community in the future? You know, 10 years from now, are you going to be here? Or are you going to be living somewhere else? It's like, well, geez, you know, I haven't really thought of that. But I know a lot of youth as they're growing up, they can't wait to get out of mom and dad's house and, you know, go to college and start a career. And they, I don't know, maybe it's just an assumption, but it seems that a lot of youth seem to look outside of their community for their future. So what can we do to develop the the future vision within our own community to keep our youth there and to, for them to see a future there in your community, I think is so important. So. Yeah, absolutely. I, it is them understanding the careers and it's not just them. Let's be real honest. It's parents too, right? We've got to make sure the true. parents and the students understand that there are incredible jobs in our community and we live at the beach, right? We, we have a <laughs> body of life. Let's show them where the jobs are and show them that it's you can play with computers and technology and make a lot of money in our community. And, and then maybe they'll they'll go to college and maybe maybe they'll go to technical school, but hopefully they come back. It's that brain drain that our community has got to continue to work on slowing down. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. And and you see chambers all over doing this now is, you know, showing those opportunities to the, the upcoming generation and showing, look, you can have a great career here. This is a great place to live. You're familiar with it. you got family here, you know, and showing all those highlights as to why it's great to stay in your community. And I will, I want to add one more thing. Yeah. Okay. I will say it's, it's, it's more than just putting programming in your own community. I'll give you an example. We uh, want to build a new technical college building in our community. $38 million once it's all said and done. Well, our chamber spent the last two years working on that at the state legislature. In fact, we pulled all of our partners in this community together and we all we could the chamber convinced them. We're going to say our number one priority for our entire community is this new building. And I was actually there uh, the first four days of this week in Atlanta um, doing work in lobbying to um, get that financial commitment from from the state of Georgia. And so. You know, I, I see a lot of chamber professionals that I'm friends with, good folks, and they're good at events or they're good at workforce development or they're good in governmental affairs. But those things all just bleed together, they do. Um, in my opinion. And so even if you're 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 not it's not your strong suit to do one of those things, get out there and do it. Ask somebody how to do it if you don't know and make sure those things are seamless because because if they're not and we keep doing great workforce programming, but the kids don't have a technical college to go to here. They won't be back. Right. Example. 
Yeah, uh, that's a great example. So as we start to wrap things up here, I wanted to ask, um, what might be one tip or action item that you would suggest for a, a listener that they could do at their own chamber to help take them up to the next level? And I'll say this, I think we were fortunate to, to get it done while we had to be stuck in our office, but it's a 501c3. I think every chamber should have a foundation so that A, they can get tax deductible gifts. I promise you those chamber champions and those past board members, all those folks, they sit in December and try to figure out where they're going to give their money to. Yeah. Give them an opportunity. They spend all that time being on your board and becoming your chairman. I promise you will see more funding. And the second thing is you have access to grants that the C6 designation will, won't let you get to. In fact, we sat in a um, meeting this morning. They called it a site visit for a huge grant to help us with a workforce development uh, process, new program. And so it's not that hard. Get your attorney that works work does work for your chamber already. And, and I'll tell you something else. I think that. I didn't realize it was going to be a huge benefit of starting a, a foundation, but it's allowed me to get my former chairman plugged back into the chamber. Yeah. Know that everybody hears it. It's I, I just need a break from the chamber. But after a year or two, they feel out of the loop and, yeah. and they want to get back in. And so this allows them an opportunity to, to stay plugged into the chamber. And those past chairmen are always the ones who are connected to the money in the community. Yeah. So for anybody who's read uh, Dave Atkinson's book, Horseshoes versus Chess, he dives deep into this, the importance of having a, a foundation and um, for all those things that Ralph was just talking about, to be able to have it as another source of income, um, but also a, a source of work and being able to provide maybe it's scholarships in your community or you know different things to be able to help further develop and advance your community. So great point. And I'm a big believer that Chambers should not be event planners. And I know that a lot of my rural brethren have to plan Christmas parades and things for their, their cities, but I, I don't think that's our role. Our role is to advance business. And I, and my motto is we're not doing it if it doesn't advance our mission or make us money to advance our mission. And so this foundation allows you to, to advance your mission through new grants and new fundraisers that you weren't tapping into before. And it's not your going to ask your chamber champion for more money again. Absolutely. So I like to ask everybody that I have on the podcast this question. As we look to the future of Chambers of Commerce, how do you see the future of Chambers and their purpose going forward? So I, I truly think that we as Chambers and Chamber professionals have got to get back to our roots. Um, we were designed, we were formed to be the voice of business. Because when I go to Atlanta or I go to D.C. and I tell them 1,200 members and 45,000 employees feel this way, that's a whole lot more powerful than the chamber feels that way. And so and I also think that we're going to have to be more regional. We've got to be at least in Georgia. We're very territorial. Right. We have 159 counties in this little state and each one of them has a chamber. That That's that's not going to work. We're wasting resources, duplicating efforts. And I really feel like, and I'm already seeing it, chambers are going to have to become more regional. If there's a big city and a couple of small counties around you, make one chamber. Figure out how to combine efforts. And we've done that here in Southeast Georgia. We 
we do a huge uh, legislative event every December. And this year was we decided to make it a regional event. So we had yeah. legislators from all over the region come and talk and we invited their chamber to come to our community because we had the big facilities. We ended up with uh, five, six hundred people instead of the four hundred we normally have. And so and those smaller chambers members got to hear what was going on where they generally don't have that kind of event. And so start off with events, make events regional. And, and ultimately, I think we're going to have some combination of chambers to become Southeast Georgia's regional chamber, for instance. Right. We're yeah. a long way from that here. But <laughs> I do think that's that's the future. You're, you're, you're more powerful when you have a bigger voice and you certainly don't duplicate efforts and resources and waste resources. Yeah, I think for advocacy, especially to be able to make things more regional and, and there definitely is power in numbers, like you were saying, I, I see the value in having a, you know, the local identity with having the, the county chambers to be able to say, Hey, we relate with the local businesses and local issues. But as far as, you know, advocacy and, and being able to get the attention of elected officials, you know, for sure, combine, combine your resources and, and make a louder noise. So great advice. Well, I wanted to give you an opportunity to put out any contact information for listeners that might want to connect and, and learn more about how you're doing things there at the Brunswick Gold Niles Chamber. What would be the best way for someone to, to reach out and connect with you? BrunswickGoldenIslesChamber.com. Uh, you can you can also follow us on Facebook. Um, we really believe in marketing here at our chamber. And so we we do put a lot of stuff out. So you can check out our website. But our our Facebook page is, is up to date constantly as, as well as our website, but our, our Facebook page is that scrolling um, accomplishments. And I think that's a good way, but please, I, you know, if you've got a question about something we've talked about today, I, I want you to call me. I'm happy to, to help any way I can. Our office number here is 912-265-0620. Ask for me. I'm happy to help um, as the chair of our state association and as a, on the Georgia chamber board, I think it's my duty to, to help others, especially in the state of Georgia, but I'm happy to, to help um, this process any way I can. Um, one of the, the, the best things I did during COVID is we started a uh, support group kind of during COVID. And I, we, <laughs> I was able to mentor chamber uh, presidents from all over the country. And it was just an amazing, amazing process. And I still try to stay connected with those folks as much as I possibly can. I love that. I love hearing chambers supporting each other. That's awesome. But I'll I'll get your contact information in our show notes for this episode. So in case anybody's driving or out walking the dog while they're listening, they can access it at chamberchatpodcast.com slash episode 167. But Ralph, it's been a pleasure visiting with you and I appreciate the examples you shared about how you guys are doing things there at the Brunswick Gold Niles Chamber. And, um, you know, it, hopefully it provided a lot of value for, for people listening as well. So thank you. Thank you for having me anytime. If you are a chamber professional, please subscribe to chamber chat podcast in Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to chamber chat podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Would you be interested in creating even more value 
from the processes that you're already doing on a daily basis? Swipe It has been one of my sponsors for Chamber Chat from the beginning. Swipe It provides credit card payment solutions that will save your chamber up to 40% on your processing fees, and Swipe It can integrate your credit card processing seamlessly into your existing membership software. Swipe It does not charge chambers to switch, and they will make switching simple. In addition to these savings, Swipe It has an affinity program for Chambers of Commerce, so you can earn more non-dues revenue to support your budget. Learn more about Swipe It by requesting your free cost savings analysis and become more profitable today by visiting chamberchatpodcast.com slash cc, as in credit card. Again, that's chamberchatpodcast.com slash cc, and you can join many other chambers as you begin swiping with Swipe It.